Hi there, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 95. And today I'd like to talk about siblings. How can we encourage siblings to get on with each other? I'd also like to talk about our children's interests. Do we sometimes think that our children don't have the talent for an interest that they would like to follow? Do we discourage them from trying? I also have a couple of resources to share with you as well. I'm recording this on a Monday afternoon. This podcast should have been published last Friday. I feel really bad about that because I wanted to be more consistent. And probably everybody is thinking that there is going to be no podcast this week. Perhaps I have dropped off the scene again. When will the next podcast appear? I didn't really mean for this podcast to be late. I had planned to record it last Thursday morning. And then a few unexpected things happened. First of all, a repairman came to fix our shower. Our shower has been leaking for weeks. It has got so bad that the wall outside the shower, the whole wall, is all soggy and the skirting board is starting to disintegrate. We called in a plumber a week or so ago and he said that we needed to get someone else in, a specialist, who would come and drill holes between the tiles and inject some kind of barrier between the shower and the wall and then he would regrout the whole shower. Well, unexpectedly, on Thursday morning, someone arrived to give us a quote and I thought that he would be here for five minutes. Well, he was here for five minutes. He gave us a quote, but then he said that he would send round somebody to do the job straight away. So about half an hour later, someone else arrived, started work on our shower, did a fantastic job, but also it was a noisy job. I wasn't able to record my podcast. I thought, well, I'll do it this afternoon or I'll do it early on Friday morning. I'll still get my podcast published on time. But then something else happened. Somebody asked me for some help. And, well, I've been on the go ever since. It's only this morning that I've actually been able to sit down and think about blogging, podcasting, and all that kind of thing. Yes, sometimes we have to drop everything because somebody needs us. I guess podcasting and blogging is a bit like unschooling. There are times when you just have to go with the flow. Just accept that we can't always do what we'd like to do. I know that's not how the podcast and blogging world usually works. Everybody expects an episode on a particular day and everybody tries to do that. But I'm sure that being unschoolers, you do understand. I had some lovely messages on my Facebook page when I did explain that there wouldn't be a podcast last Friday, that I was going to have to delay it. So I would like to thank those friends who did take the time to stop by, express a little bit of concern for me and my family, and say that they understood. Well, everything is fine. Here I am after a few days of helping somebody else and also I celebrated a birthday yesterday. So that wasn't really a podcasting day. Here I am back at my mic ready to record episode 95. I thought today that I might share some more of my blog post stories, but also talk longer about each one. I want to talk a little bit about sibling rivalry, for example, and I do have a couple of stories that illustrate that topic. I had some nice feedback about my blog post stories. Some kind people stopped by my blog and also on my Facebook page, and also I had some emails saying that they liked hearing my stories. So I'm going to be telling a few more here and there over the next coming weeks. So I hope you don't mind listening to some more stories today. I didn't actually intend to share more blog post stories so quickly, but I'm going with the flow.
I'm going to start with the topic of encouraging our kids to follow their dreams. Not to say, hey, you can't do that, you don't have the talent to do that, but to encourage them to give something a go, whatever we feel about it. Stand back and let them do it. And this can be hard at times. I guess we want to protect our kids from failure. Maybe we have failed in one particular area and we want to prevent our children from getting hurt when they attempt something similar to us. Maybe we're worried about what other people will think of our children doing particular things. For example, once my daughter Imogen was asked to play the organ at Mass for a homeschool camp, and I wasn't sure that she had the right talents to do that. She'd never played the organ regularly, but she wanted to give it a go. But I really wanted her to step back and let somebody else do it, because I thought if she fails, if she messes it up, everybody will look at her and maybe they'll think certain things and she might get hurt by the comments. Luckily for me, she went and played the organ regardless of my concerns. Yes, I did say a couple of little things like, are you sure you can do it? And she just said, yes, mum, I can. I want to give it a go. And anyway, there isn't anybody else to do it. So I did step back. But yes, my heart was beating very fast while she was warming up and getting into the playing. And she did a fantastic job. Nobody knew that she didn't play the organ on a regular basis. Afterwards, I said to her, I didn't know you could play the organ that well. I didn't know you had the skills. And then she said to me, well, to be truthful, Mum, I didn't have the skills to play the music exactly as it was written. I simplified it. And then I thought, she simplified the music? How would you do that? That's something I couldn't do. That's a skill of its own. Yes, she coped perfectly. So I'm going to share a story, and it is a music story. I'm going to tell it and then discuss it. The story is called Crushed by a Label. It's one of my very early stories, written six years ago. When I was a child, I loved to sing. I was so excited when our school music teacher announced that we would be performing Gilbert and Sullivan's HMS Pinafore. I knew that I'd have no chance at being given one of the main roles. However, I was quite content to be part of the chorus and so took my place as a sailor. I learned all the words and loved all the rehearsals. Then one day, the singing teacher came onto the stage while we were singing. She moved slowly around, listening carefully to everyone's voices. She came to a stop in front of me. After a few moments, she quietly told me I was tone deaf and I wouldn't be able to sing with the chorus. I felt crushed. I couldn't be in the production. After another moment's thought, the teacher said if I mimed the words and didn't actually make a sound, I could still be a sailor. And although I was deeply hurt, I was also grateful not to be thrown out of the group. I would still be on that stage when the curtain went up on opening night. And so I grew up believing I had no musical ability whatsoever. My eldest daughter, Felicity, also loved to sing when she was small. We knew a very musical family who were involved in choirs and productions, and Felicity dreamt of performing too. When she was eight years old, we heard about a city children's choir, and we were told that it was very easy for a child to get accepted. They're not looking for exceptional ability. If she can sing in tune, they'll accept her. I was assured. The day of the audition rolled round. We knew Felicity would have to sing the national anthem, and she'd been practicing with the aid of a CD for days. I had a baby in arms, as well as two other children, who needed looking after. So Felicity bravely entered the audition room on her own. After some minutes, she reappeared, together with the choir mistress. I am afraid I can't take your daughter. She isn't hitting the notes. I'm not sure she can sing in tune. 
Felicity was disappointed, and so was I. But I accepted the decision. I thought it seems she has inherited my inability to sing. About a year later, we moved house and parish. At the new church, we chose to sit in the very back pew in front of the organ. I reasoned that by sitting here, our baby's noise would be drowned out by the music, and no one would hear her. A few months went by, and then after mass one Sunday, Marion, the organist, stopped us on our way out of the church. Would the children be interested in singing something special for Easter? But my children can't sing. I've been listening. They have delightful voices. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I thought the organist was just being kind, but apparently not. Marion spent time with the children, sharing her talents with them. That Easter, Felicity, nine years old, stood at the front of the church and sang several solos. She was confident, and she sang beautifully. I then realized. She could sing. I am very grateful to Marion. She encouraged my children to sing, play the piano and the clarinet. She even arranged bagpipe lessons for them, and eventually Felicity also learnt to play the organ. Music is now a family passion. Andy is a singer too, and he performs with the older children in two different choirs. I listen as they gather around the piano. Imogen plays each person's part in turn. Then everyone tries the piece together. Someone makes a mistake, and there are sounds of laughter, and they begin again. Then it all comes together. The hymn sounds beautiful: two basses, an alto, and a soprano. The last note is sung, and there are huge smiles. Wow, that sounded good. That was much better. I think we've got it. Could you sing it again? I really enjoyed listening, and my children and husband repeat the hymn, and I stand listening with wonder. Is this my family who are making such a wonderful noise? Yes, I still have trouble believing I have a musical family. What happened to the tone deaf genes? Actually, I no longer believe I am tone deaf. I think that I could sing if I were encouraged by the right person. Imogen tells me that I need to have better control over my breathing. It's hard to breathe properly when I am so embarrassed by my voice. My throat tends to choke up as I try not to be heard. And although Imogen has a very high soprano voice, I think my voice is a bit lower, and I strain to reach many of the notes when I'm trying to sing with her. I think about my childhood music teacher and how she crushed me with her words. I labelled myself a non-singer on the basis of her declaration that I was tone deaf, and then I was prepared to give that label to my own daughter. And I think about our dear organist Marion, who listened carefully and encouraged my children. She uncovered their talents and nurtured and developed their skills while giving them confidence. As an unschooling mother, I now encourage my children in their interests. I no longer tell them they are aiming too high, that they don't have the necessary talents. I can arrange opportunities and offer encouragement, and we see where it leads. And if it leads nowhere, that's fine, as long as they're having fun. But despite all the encouragement, I still have one son who has no interest in music. He sings as well as I do. But he is quite content with that. It's not a case of him being crushed by someone else's label. Perhaps I shall tell his story next time. Perhaps I shall tell his story next time. Well, I did tell that story. It's a story about my son Duncan, my eldest son, and it is a musical story. So this story is called Brothers but Different. My two young adult sons are very different. Callum is outgoing, noisy, charming, and a singer. 
Duncan is quieter, likes his own company, is unusually hardworking, and he definitely isn't a singer. A few years ago, Felicity and Imogen wanted to have singing lessons, and we heard that Louisa was looking for a couple of students. Louisa was a ninety-year-old teacher who'd retired, and then discovered she was bored. She missed her students, and decided that she'd like to give just a few lessons every week. And so our girls became the fortunate recipient of Louisa's many years of experience. Every week, Louisa would bump her way up our long driveway in her little car. A walking stick would appear out of the driver's door, followed a short while later by a frail old lady. And every week, I would hold my breath as I watched our singing teacher hobble along the path and then up our very wobbly back steps. Once inside our house, she'd disappear into our music room study with Felicity and Imogen, and I'd relax for an hour, knowing that Louisa and the girls would enjoy every minute of the lesson. One week, I spoke to Louisa as she was leaving. Felicity will be away overseas for the next four weeks. Perhaps we can resume lessons when she returns. I think I'll teach the boys while Felicity is away. Announced Louisa. She had noticed my two sons, who always greeted her politely before disappearing back into their bedroom. I thought about Louisa's plan. I felt Callum would like the lessons, but Duncan. I was about to explain about our non-singer, but the teacher was already wobbling her way back down the steps on her way to the car. Oh well, perhaps the singing lessons would be good for Duncan. To my surprise, it was Callum who seemed reluctant. I no longer want singing lessons. I'm not interested in learning. Anyway, I can't sing any more, Mum. I just can't do it. This surprised me. Callum loved singing. I could remember him as a little boy sitting on the garden wall singing Christmas carol after Christmas carol, whatever the month of the year. His desire to sing had only increased as the years passed. So why didn't Callum want to sing any more? Louisa's expecting to teach you next week, Callum. Couldn't you give it a go, just for one lesson? Duncan didn't really want singing lessons either, but he is sensitive to my feelings. He's always willing to try something if I ask him. The next week, the boy's new singing teacher arrived. The walking stick appeared. Louisa appeared. She made it safely up the wobbly steps and into the house. The boys are a bit unsure about the lessons, Louisa. Duncan's not a singer, and Callum seems to have lost interest. He thinks he can't sing any more. Don't worry about that. I'll sort them out," reassured Louisa. She wasn't about to let the boys off the hook. They followed obediently in her wake as she headed towards the piano. For a whole hour, I paced the lounge, wondering how Louisa was getting on with the boys, or rather, how were they getting on with her? Then, well, you were right. Duncan's not a singer, and I found out what's wrong with Callum. He was a tadpole, and now he's a frog. A frog? His voice had broken. We hadn't even noticed. Callum had been trying to sing his old alto range instead of his new lower range. Callum will soon get used to his new voice. He's going to be a bass, I think. He's going to have a beautiful voice once he gets control of it. Callum had a big grin on his face. I think I might rejoin the choir, Mum. Yes, now that he didn't have to sit with the women altos, but could join the ranks of the men. He was eager to add his voice to the choir. Duncan just looked relieved. He tried singing because I wanted him to, but really he had no desire to sing. He was quite happy muddling through the hymns at Sunday mass in his own unique way. Our children were only able to benefit from Louisa's talents for a short time. Soon, she reluctantly had to face the fact she was physically unable to continue teaching. It wasn't just because she couldn't face our wobbly back steps any longer; she just didn't have the necessary energy to give to each of her students. 
We were sad when the last lesson came to an end, but we were grateful we'd had the opportunity to know this extraordinary woman. My daughters received a thorough grounding in the basics of singing technique, but they weren't the only ones to learn something very valuable. I learnt something I have never forgotten. I learnt that when a child suddenly says he no longer wants to do something he was really enjoying, there could be a reason, not apparently obvious, for the change of heart. It could be worth probing about a bit to find out the cause. I also learnt that all children are different. What interests one might not appeal to another, and this is quite okay. But more importantly, sometimes I think I know what's best for my child to learn. I probably just want to provide as many opportunities as possible for that child. But sometimes children have better ideas of their own about what they'd like to do. I have learnt we don't all have to learn the same things. Callum did develop that beautiful bass voice Louisa predicted. Eventually, he found another teacher who prepared him for several classical singing exams. At the moment, because he is studying at university and also working, he doesn't have much time to pursue his passion. But every Sunday, his voice can be heard booming through the church as he thoroughly enjoys singing all those wonderful old hymns. Enjoyment—that's what it's all about. I have one more story about brothers. This story isn't on my unschooling blog. It's actually on one of my older blogs. Probably, I'd like to go back and change a word here or there, make it a little bit better. But I'm going to read it out as it is, because I think that this story, even if it isn't very good, will lead us into a discussion about siblings and how siblings can be encouraged to get on with one another. This story is just called simply "Brothers." My oldest two sons are very different. One stands tall and willowy; the other is shorter and broad, and they differ not only in their looks. But also their personalities. Over the years, this has caused moments of conflict. Eight-year-old Callum, I can't live in the same room as Duncan any longer. He's so annoying. I need a room of my own. I mentally survey the house. The only free space is the bath. I don't suppose you want to sleep in the bath. Callum is actually considering it. Then he sighs. He knows he has no choice but to continue sharing a bedroom with his older brother. You'll just have to learn to live with one another, I advise. And on the whole, they have. Yes, there has been the odd moment of trouble. I can see Duncan dragging an overstuffed garbage bag down the hall towards the garage. An hour later, Callum comes home and heads straight for the boys' room. Two minutes later. Where's all my clothes? If you've put them in the garage again, he scowls at Duncan as he marches off in search of something to wear. Duncan defends his actions. I asked you to pick them up dozens of times. I hate living in a messy room. Yes, my oldest two boys are very different, but they have managed to share a room for nineteen years without coming to serious blows. I sometimes wonder what kind of relationship they would have if we had happened to have that spare room, Callum wanted. Would they have grown up ignoring each other, refusing to make allowances for each other? Would they still be friends despite their differences? This morning, my three men went go-karting together. It's Duncan's birthday. They left with smiles of anticipation on their faces. And returned with grins a mile wide, full of stories to share. Dad and I tied for fastest lap of the session. Boasts competitive Callum. He wants so much to be better than Andy. Duncan gets the award for the most dangerous driver. Announces Andy. Captain Duncan slow grins. There was no chance he was going to win the race. 
and he doesn't care. I look at my young men's sons as they describe every turn of the steering wheel, every bend in the track. How did I grow such big people, such very special but different people, different but still friends? But I have another son, Thomas. I wonder what he would have been like. Perhaps quiet and tidy and reliable like Duncan, or maybe outgoing and charming and messy like Helen. Or would he have been completely different from both his brothers? This I am certain of. At the age of nearly twelve, he would have followed his brothers around everywhere. They would have been his heroes, his best friends. But would they have noticed him and been patient with him? Or would they have considered him a pest? Somehow, I can't imagine my three sons sharing a room. The boys' room is already overcrowded. I imagine, Callum, I can't live in the same room as Duncan and Thomas any longer. They are so annoying. I need a room of my own. I mentally survey the house. The only free space is the bath, Callum. Thomas, how do you feel about sleeping in the bath? As you probably know, Thomas is our son who died nearly eighteen years ago. So I must have written that story about six years ago. Yes, my boys are very different, but yes, they do get on. And I don't think it's because I let them fight it out in the same room that they just had to get on, and I just stood back and let them. Work it out for themselves. No, I think there is more to it than that. I've been thinking about acceptance. When we accept every child for him or herself, when we give them the feeling that they are just right, exactly the way they are, that we value them for their unique qualities, their unique talents, everything about them. If we accept that. Then they have no reason to feel competitive, to feel that maybe somebody else is the favorite, that they have a rival. They know that they are accepted. They are loved for exactly who they are. So maybe that's one reason why unschooling children might not have any problems with sibling rivalry. Well, certainly in our family, I haven't seen too many problems. Yes, the odd moment, like when Duncan got frustrated and put Callum's clothes in a garbage bag and threw them into the garage. Yes, I wouldn't say that my children have been perfectly happy with each other, but on the whole, they are. They do get on extremely well. The times when they have had conflict have been few and far between. I like to tell my kids that I have favourites. Everybody says that you shouldn't have favourites amongst your children, but I also suspect that a lot of people, even if they say that, do have favourites. Certainly, some of our children seem to be more like us than others, and maybe those are the ones that we feel more comfortable with. Maybe we don't understand our other children as well, and so it might seem like we are picking favourites. But yes, as I said, I have lots of favourites. In fact, I have eight favourite children, and I tell my kids this: they are all my favourites in very different ways. And it is true. I look at my children, and I am overwhelmed by the possibilities. You know, they have the same mother, the same father, but they are all so unique, so different. I have five girls. Line them all up. Everybody says, "Oh, look, they're so alike," and I think, "No, they're not. They're all very, very different." Yes, they might have some things in common, and to the outside eye, they might look the same. But for me, I can see that each child is a very unique person, and that fascinates me. I wouldn't want them all to be exactly the same. I was talking to Imogen about this the other day. We were talking about. That when we feel accepted, we learn to be accepting ourselves. So maybe in accepting all my children, despite their differences, they have all learnt to accept each other, despite their differences. 
and actually to celebrate the differences and to learn from each other's differences. If we were all the same, we would have a very limited range of qualities. Maybe we'd all feel comfortable with one another, but we wouldn't learn much. Differences give us a bigger pool of qualities to experience. I talked about this when my son Callum married about a year and a half ago. He married Casey, and I talked about how she was going to bring differences into our family, and how wonderful that was. She was going to bring something new into the Elvis family, and we were going to learn from her. We were going to grow as a family. So yes, differences do make us grow. We learn to appreciate the other person who is different from us. And each person has something different to offer us. One person might be a good listener. One person might be able to make us smile. We can relate to everybody in the family in a different way. And that is really wonderful. So maybe celebrate the differences instead of fighting them, instead of criticizing, instead of wanting everybody to be just like us. I now have another sibling story, and this one is the current one. I haven't actually written about it. I haven't written a blog post for ages. I'm getting behind. But I shall tell the story, and also Imogen made a video about it, which you can find on her Facebook page, Imogen Elvis. I also shared that video on my page, Stories of an Unschooling Family. So I might post a link to it in case you would like to go and watch the video because it is a very special video. Actually warmed my mother's heart. This is what happened. Now you might know that my daughter Sophie, who is almost 16, she has a job in a cafe and she has been saving her money to buy a new camera. Well, about two weeks ago, she had enough money to buy the camera and she asked me to order it for her. She also asked me to order a vlogging camera, a Sony camera. Now, I can't tell you the number. Sophie would be able to rattle it off just like that. She knows all the numbers and all the letters of every single camera around, I am sure. Just like somebody who likes train spotting, I imagine. As the train goes by, they can tell you the exact number of the engine that's pulling the carriages. Anyway... She asked me to order this Sony vlogging camera. She said she wanted to buy it for Imogen because Imogen has been vlogging using her phone. And she only has a cheap phone. She doesn't have an iPhone like I do. And the vlogs are okay, but they're not very good quality. And apparently they're the wrong size for YouTube. It's a sort of a black stripe down each side of the video. They don't look very professional. And Sophie said that Imogen would benefit from a proper vlogging camera, and she wanted to buy her one. Now, the camera wasn't cheap. It was a few hundred dollars. And I said to her, are you sure you want to spend that much money on your sister? You worked very hard for that money. And she didn't blink an eyelid. She just said, yes, of course, Mum. I want to buy it for her. And so I didn't say anything more, because I think it's good to encourage our kids to be generous and also... It is nice to earn money for ourselves and buy what we like, but it is also good to have money that we can spend on other people. I enjoy buying things for other people, and I know the pleasure that that can bring, so I didn't want to squash Sophie. So I ordered her camera, which is a professional full-frame camera, a Nikon, and the Sony vlogging camera. A few days went by, and both cameras arrived on our doorstep, at the same time. Now Sophie was at work at the time and I didn't want to spoil the secret because I knew that when Sophie got home from work she'd want to give the vlogging camera to Imogen herself. Imogen didn't know that it was coming and Sophie just wanted to hold it out and say hey look I bought you something open it. So two puzzles arrived and we put them on the kitchen bench and Imogen said I wonder what's in those parcels. Obviously, one of them is Sophie's camera. But what's the other one, Mum? Did she order a lens? And I didn't know what to say. I sort of brushed her off. Hmm, I wonder what's in there. Could be a lens, I guess. I don't really know. As Imogen said later on in her video, how can people 
order something and not know what they've ordered. It seemed rather strange to her, but she didn't guess. She had no idea that that parcel was for her. Sophie came home from work. We opened her camera first. We're all standing around. We're really happy for her. We're ooing and hawing over this new camera, and then she turned to the second box, and she placed it in Imogen's hands. And Imogen said, "What's this?" And Sophie said, "It's for you." And she opened it up. Oh my! She was so excited. And just watching the the joy between the two girls, it was just wonderful. Later on, we went down to the park. I actually got a new camera as well. I got Sophie's old camera, which isn't really all that old. It's about a year old, and it's better than my original camera. It's rather a luxurious camera for me, so I feel that I got a big gift as well. So the three of us, we went down to the main fire trail. Me with my new inherited camera, Sophie with her new professional camera, and Imogen with her vlogging camera. We took a lot of photos, and then I said to the girls, "Why don't you go make a vlog together? I'll just take the dog for a walk down this pathway. I'll see you later." And they made the vlog, put it on Facebook. I had a look at it. Oh wow, what joy! It was just so wonderful to see the joy that you can give to other people. There's nothing like it. I don't think it's better than having something yourself to be able to make somebody that happy. A few people stopped by on Facebook and left comments about the video, saying that it had warmed their hearts as well. That my girls get on very well together, and it was good to see siblings getting on. And this led me to some thoughts about siblings and why siblings get on together. And that's how I came to talk about siblings and acceptance with Imogen the other day. have just one more story that I want to share today for this podcast, and it's on a totally different subject.、And、the reason I want to share it with you today is because it is associated with a new ebook that I've just produced, and I want to tell you about that ebook. But first of all, I want to tell you the story. It's not about boys. But before I finish with boys completely, I have just remembered that I did make a podcast entirely about my boys. It's called Boy Stories, and maybe some of what I've been speaking about today is actually in that podcast. If you'd like to hear more about my boys, I'll put a link in the show notes to that podcast. It's probably got links to other blog posts too about boys, but for something different. A Jane Austen education. I was on my way to bed when I noticed the older girl's bedroom light was still on. As I stood outside the door, I could hear Imogen's voice. It sounded like she was reading out loud. Pushing open the door, I saw both girls sprawled on their beds. Charlotte was listening enthralled as Imogen read from the book *Pride and Prejudice*. Both sisters were obviously having a wonderful time. So I crept away and left them to it. This was Charlotte's introduction to Jane Austen. When Pride and Prejudice was finished, Imogen moved on to Sense and Sensibility. Then Charlotte found the rest of the Jane Austen books on the bookshelf and read the others herself. We went shopping for birthday presents for Charlotte. Imogen said, "I think I'll buy Charlotte her very own copy of Pride and Prejudice." And when Charlotte received the gift. She was absolutely delighted. Felicity, our eldest daughter, also loved Jane Austen. We bought her the BBC miniseries for Christmas one year. She watched it a dozen times. Imogen and Charlotte were pleased to discover that the DVD collection had been left behind when Felicity left home. They've watched the series much more than a dozen times. Now Sophie is asking, "Am I old enough for Jane Austen?" Obviously, there is something very good about Jane Austen. Otherwise, why would her sisters spend so much time reading her books and watching the DVDs? Sophie is well on her way to becoming a Jane Austen girl herself. We often talk Jane Austen around the lunch table. I don't think Charlotte Lucas should have married Mister Collins, but she wasn't very pretty. 
she didn't have much choice. She wanted to secure a position as a wife. That was very important in those days. Perhaps she didn't think anyone else would marry her. Do you think she was happy? Perhaps she wasn't looking for love and happiness. I think she should have practiced the piano more. A man wanted his wife to be able to entertain his guests. If Charlotte had been able to play the piano better, perhaps another man might have considered marrying her. The funny thing is that once a woman had captured her husband, she usually gave up her music. She wouldn't have been much good at entertaining the guests after all. And the men never worked this out. Mary should have been able to attract a good husband, as she was a good musician. But she had an awful manner about her. Mary might have made a good wife for Mr. Collins. We visited the library the other day, and amongst the towering pile of books the girls came home with was one called the Jane Austen Handbook: Proper Life Skills from Regency England by Margaret C. Sullivan. I didn't see Imogen and Charlotte for a long time. Then, while learning the wrong language, Mum. All young ladies should learn French. Latin is a boy's language. In Jane Austen's day, girls learnt to read and write and do basic mathematics, so they could keep the household accounts. A little bit of geography and history, maybe, and lots of music and embroidery and dancing. They had to learn all the things that were thought necessary to attract a good husband. We're not doing very well on languages, and we do too much maths. But we're learning plenty of music. Yes, all that music's good. Perhaps we need some more embroidery. It depends whether you want to attract a husband. Charlotte grimaced. No, she'll change her mind one day. But I guess she won't need a Jane Austen education when she does. My girls have read all the Jane Austen novels. Unlike me, I'm ashamed to say, and know them inside out. They're always discussing the themes, looking for books about Jane Austen and her writings, watching DVD versions, and comparing them. They really are Jane Austen girls, but they've never written even one essay on any of the books. Does it matter? I think back to my own school days. I read Pride and Prejudice. And failed to see its value. It was just a book assigned to be read, and I read it. I probably wrote a typical essay. Analyze how Jane Austen depicts Mister Bennet. Is he a positive or negative character? I bet I was bored. I bet I didn't write that essay out of interest. What is the big fuss over essay writing? Isn't it just a form of writing that follows a set procedure? Can't anyone learn to write an essay by following the rules? And really, I think Imogen and Charlotte already know a lot about essays. They've been dipping into quite a few recently. They've come across essays in their quest to find out more about Jane Austen and her novels. Yes, I'm sure essay writing isn't going to be a problem. But will they be able to find opinions to fill an essay? I ask the girls what they think about Mr. Bennet while we're eating lunch, and opinions come flying back, backed up with examples. And so I don't think I'll worry about analyzing novels the school way. I think I will just let the girls enjoy the books. And there's an update to that story. We no longer think Mary Bennet was a good musician. I don't know how we missed that the first time around. Also. I'm proud to say that I've almost read all of Jane Austen's novels now. Well, I've read them all except Mansfield Park, and that's the one that Gemma Rose is reading out to me at the moment. I sit and embroider, and she sits and reads Jane Austen to me. So I'm doing something that's typical of Jane Austen girls. I'm embroidering, and I'm really enjoying that. I guess the other point about this story is. The novel writing aspect of it. What did I say? What is the big fuss over essay writing? Isn't it just a form of writing that follows a set procedure? Well, that turns out to be very true because when my daughter Charlotte started uni, or it's about maybe nearly two years ago now, she hadn't written a single essay in her whole life, 
And the very first class that she took, she was told by her tutor, and everybody was told, that they had to forget everything they'd learned about essay writing because school essay writing is totally different from university essay writing. And because Charlotte didn't know anything about school essay writing, she was at an advantage. All the students were taught how to write a university essay, and it didn't take them long to do that. It didn't take them long to gain that skill. Yes, it's just a set procedure. You just follow the guidelines. It's what you put into the essay, which is important. Charlotte is a very good essay writer now. She gets very good grades on all her essays. So I would say that essay writing isn't really that important. We don't have to force our kids to write essays before they get to some kind of tertiary education. My daughter Imogen did a degree in professional writing and publishing. And Imogen also never wrote essays as an unschooler. I interviewed her for one of my earlier podcasts about essay writing. So I might put a link to that if you are interested in hearing more about what she thinks about essay writing and university. So I have gone from siblings to Jane Austen to essay writing, covering a lot of ground in one podcast. But I only have one more topic I want to talk about today, and this leads on from this story. This story, A Jane Austen Education, can be found in my new ebook, Unschool Reading. I finished that ebook last week. Yes, before I suddenly was hurled into a few hectic days, I just managed to publish this ebook. I've been working on it for quite some time. And then, at the beginning of last week, I thought, look, I've got to get it finished, get it out of the way. And so I sat down and that's what I did. I already had a lot of links to unschool reading articles that I have found on the internet. Alison, one of my unschooling friends, also sent me some of her favorite unschool reading links. And so I have put the, all those in this new ebook, Unschool Reading. A lot of those links are to articles about late readers and about how unschoolers learn to read. I think you will find them very interesting. But apart from those links to the articles, I've also included a number of my own stories about reading. They're not all learn to read stories. For example, this story, A Jane Austen Education, talks about classic books, how siblings can share books, about reading out loud, about reading and forming opinions, having discussions about books, how books are very enjoyable, especially when we share them with other people. Sometimes other people's books become our favorites. Sometimes we share our favorites with other people. It's like sharing friends. So there are links to other people's stories about unschool reading. There are my own stories. And the third part of the ebook contains book recommendations. A few from my own girls, but also a lot from Susie Andres, the author of Homeschooling with Gentleness and A Little Way of Homeschooling. I emailed Susie the other day and asked her if I could share the list, her favorite book list that's on my blog, because you might know that Susie has a page on my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. So Susie was happy for me to share her children's book list. And you will find that in my new free ebook, Unschool Reading. This is my third free ebook. I've already made one about unschooling resources and another about unschool science. All three ebooks are available as PDFs. And also this time I have made a Kindle version, a Kindle version of the Unschool Reading book. It's very easy once you have a file to email it to a Kindle address and then you can read it on your Kindles. I spent a long time trying to get it all right, making various versions of my ebooks and then sending them to myself, to my own Kindle address and then downloading them onto my Kindle to have a look at them and then trying again because some of the formatting didn't look right. So I hope I got it right. 
After I published everything, I had this awful thought that maybe I got all my paragraphs in a muddle because I kept moving everything about. Maybe I moved some paragraphs into the wrong place. I kept reading them over and over and over again, and my head was spinning. And in the end, I couldn't tell whether what I was publishing was good or not, whether I'd finished, because my eyes weren't seeing anything anymore very clearly. So if there are mistakes in either of these versions of the ebook, please stop by and tell me, and I will be able to fix them up. So I invite you to come over to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, if you are interested in having a copy of the Unschool Reading ebook or one of the other free PDF ebooks, you'll find the links in the sidebar of the blog. Just scroll down the sidebar, you'll come across three big images, one for each book. Click onto the images or lead you to the file and you can download it to your computer. I hope that you find the ebook helpful. And interesting. I did say to myself when I finished it the other day that I was never ever going to put together another ebook because there were so many formatting problems with this one. I guess a lot of it had to do with the illustrations and the headings. It was a bit tricky getting everything organized. And once I did finish, and it was about 10 o'clock at night, I sat down and said, That's it, never doing another one again. But then the next day I thought, look, I would like to put together an ebook on typical unschooling days. Perhaps that would be a good topic. I was talking about typical unschooling days in my last podcast, episode 94. Had some good reaction to that. But I've also got another post on my blog, which is very popular. A typical unschooling day post. It's a guest post. It's written by Miles, an unschooling teenager. And that post has been read a lot of times and also shared. So I was thinking that there is an interest in typical unschooling days for people who are not sure what unschooling is all about. People do want to have a peek into our days. I was the same before we started unschooling. I wanted to know what unschoolers do all day. So I've already published a few typical unschooling days from other people in one of my early newsletters. I might ask the authors of those articles if they would mind if I pop them into my new ebook. But I'd also like some other contributions. So if you would like to write about your typical unschooling day, or maybe you already have written about it, it's published on your blog somewhere, if you would be willing for me to publish your blog posts or your stories in my ebook, I hope that you will contact me and let me know. Of course, I will credit you. And if you have a blog, I will add a link to your blog. I just think it's really lovely when we all share together, not just me writing stories or telling stories, but for us all to share our own experiences and for us all to be part of the conversation. So I think I've got to the end of episode 95. That's definitely it for today. I hope that you have a good few days. And until next time, trust, respect, and love unconditionally. Mm-hmm.